Ladies and gentlemen, coming down the aisle, they are the team of the head of creative, Eddie Cool. His partner, the almighty B-Live, and their partner, the money man, Scotty D. They are the Wrestle Bros. What's going on, world? This be your boy, Eddie Cool, a.k.a. the HOC up in here. And you're, wait a minute. This is not normally the Sports Bros podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one of the Wrestle Bros podcast. That's right. We're talking about wrestling. W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-G. It's Terry Funk once spelled it in a promo in ECW back in the day. And guess what? We're going to be talking about some wrestling. And in typical Sports Bros fashion, I brought my Sports Bros with me. And I'm flanked, as always, by the almighty B-Live. What's happening? What's going on? This is the Wrestle Bros Podcast. And you're listening to the one time, one time, one time almighty B-Live. Yes, sir. That, that, was three, that was three times, wasn't it? But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Oh, man. I don't know what I'm doing over here. But, hey, this is the first time for everything. Let's get it. Exactly. And, of course, as always, we got the heater, heat-seeking missile himself, the money man, Scotty D. Hey, guys. You know what? I'm so glad that you're my friends. This uh, friendship that'll never ever end. What in the hell oh my god! Oh my god! fun house. Oh my god! Are we are we fireflies or is that is that what we're doing? We're going with the money flies. Is that that's that's a thing now? Money so, flies. That sounds like a bar somewhere. <laughs> it does. Oh my goodness! Talking about gimmicks. All right, cool. Oh man, hey man, hey yeah. you, hey you, you got to get over somehow. You got to get over somehow. Um, in case you were under a rock these past forty-eight to twenty-four hours, something monumental happened last night. The much-anticipated All Elite Wrestling made its initial pay-per-view debut with their double or nothing pay-per-view this past Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. Sin City, the place was sold out. It was people everywhere. Double or nothing. All elite wrestling and the card was pretty stacked. Now, we're not going to go over the entire card and that's not to discredit any of the action that was going on during the pay-per-view, but, you know, the most talked about action, we won't talk about it, okay? We're going to talk about it, and uh, let's see, the first match that we don't want to discuss is the match that had the brothers versus the brothers, all right? We had Cody, Cody Rose, versus his brother, Justin Rose, formerly known as the natural Dustin Rose from his WCW days, and also Cold Dust. 
during his run in the WWE, who was recently released not too long ago. And as far as that goes, um, who am I going to let start this? Scotty D, let's let you opine on the Battle of the Rhodes Brothers. Well, uh, I was watching it live, and uh, I know you guys caught up with it a little bit later. And I was—I think I had texted you guys that this is one of the best matches I'd—I've uh, seen in a long time. I ever, maybe not the best match ever, but it was a really good emotional roller coaster storytelling kind of match. I thought uh, I was impressed that Big Brother had some of the moves that he had. I mean, he pulled out some stuff that. You didn't see Gold Dust do for a long time. He was inspired. He looked like he was in pretty good shape. Um, he bladed, uh, seemingly. I mean, he had Earl Hebner doing the old toss out. He winded it up and tossed out Cody's wife, tossed uh, <laughs> center to the back. DDP came out and scooped her up and, and got her out of there. And then, of course, the big finish. You kind of figured that uh, Cody was going to go over, which he did, and he, he, you know, he got the pinfall. But, um, I, I was expecting it to be kind of the final match, but then what happened after a little bit of uh, brother love shown in the ring there. And it looks like uh, we're going to get a tag match going forward between the two, but man, watching that even take away the blood, it, it was just such a good match. And you don't, you feel like WWE missed out on that a few years ago when they had Cody doing the stardust gimmick and then it came to a boil and those two were supposed to, start feuding and then it just kind of fizzled they never really developed that and i i think they that was a missed opportunity that was proven last night and that could be a sign of things to come with the aew if they're gonna uh pick up on things and and uh and move ahead creatively that on things that wwe might miss yep that's um that that's one of the more interesting like you know storylines and rivalries that WWE they really could have done something with it if they hadn't if they didn't have their head up their behinds they they could have been like, okay well we have a personal issue which is always classic in wrestling you know people understand personal issues between two people and then build the story tell the story in the ring get fans emotionally invested i mean that's the name of the game when it comes to this so it's just like you have to you got to strike while the iron's hot. Be live. Your thoughts, comments, and opinions. Well, um, help me, help me out real quick because okay. there was—I thought there was a time that when um Cody Rhodes went heel, that there was a small feud between Cody and um Goldust at the time. What there? Yeah, there was, and I could—I couldn't tell you uh, what the name of the pay per view. They wrestled on like a smaller pay per view, I think, and I—I I think it was a. Uh, I mean, he was still the Stardust gimmick, and I think he might have won like with a roll up or something. It wasn't like an epic kind of match right. where it was built up or anything, but it was a kind of thing that they probably should have. I mean, you never see a WWE put a match on pay per view and that's it. They always go again, but these guys didn't, and that that should have been a WrestleMania match. I mean, these were Dusty Rhodes kids, man. That yeah. should have been a WrestleMania match. Maybe not the main event. But a WrestleMania match, nonetheless, and you know where we have time to let him go at it. Last night was, or last night that that match was fantastic. Right, and and that and I and I, I say that to lead off is the simple fact that Cody and Dustin Rhodes um, spent the majority of their time at WWE as mid carters at best. Oh so, yeah, and that and that was one of those things where there's an incredible amount of talent that gets 
buried because creative control in WWE is just it, there's there's an incredible amount of talent that just you just don't see because WWE is crazy. Like you have three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, but when you really get down to the nitty gritty of it, there's not enough. There really isn't enough time to feature the amount of talent that's out there. But that's that, true. Again, NXT is doing something where it's really not that much storyline behind it. It's just more action packed. But which I think WWE should do, but they spend too much time creating a character, showcasing a gimmick. Then they got to put it. They got to put a nickname behind it. And then, all in all, it's so, so so many things get lost in the wash. When it comes to the Cody Dustin match last night, it was every bit of what what really came out is their passion and drive for the sport. That mm-hmm. now that they they they've invested in a product that they truly believe in their name is all through and through this and so you really got to showcase what they're actually capable of and the fact of the matter that they did not make it like the main event they made it a middle of the pack match shows that a it wasn't all about them but yet it gave them a time to show like that all right we've invested a lot in this but it's also to showcase a lot of talent that's been really just looked over. That's true. Yeah, that's true, man. I, I think that's that's one that's one of my biggest uh, that's one of my biggest things about um, the WWE right now is just that you have talent there. Okay, you got your main eventers. You got your there's like what two levels to the mid card. There was like there's like um, the main eventers, then the top of the mid card, then the lower mid card. And then everybody else, your jobbers and yeah, yeah, and 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 your jobbers and you know, and it's like okay, you, and then you want to call guys up like um, the Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger, who also popped up at AEW last night under the other name of uh, other his other name, Sean Spears, and he got a good ovation during the um, during the Casino Battle Royal. Um, yeah, you had him pop up, and then. You know, you have guys like Ty Dillinger. You call up, you bring them in, you know, make a few noise. They say, you know, oh, we ain't got nothing for you. And these guys are sitting out back eating up all the damn catering. Okay? And then wondering why. Okay, what am I going to be? I'm sorry, creative ain't got nothing for you. I understand being patient and biding your time. But look, as a professional wrestler, I think I think you have a window as far as time, your body, and everything else. Not to say, like, if you got kids at home, other commitments and everything. Like, what if you have to, like, look, you got the strike while the iron's hot. And I guess where a lot of guys are like, you know what? We don't want to be here no more because we're getting underutilized. We got so much to give and you don't allow, you're not allowing us to give like we supposed to, like, like we know we can to flourish because you still cater to your, to your top guys and then you cater somewhat to your mid card and then everybody else is just, we just going to throw the spaghetti noodle up the wall, hope it's al dente, and hope it sticks. Yes, I cook. But <laughs> but it's the fact that you know you just have a bunch of talent in the locker room that's not being used. And prime example, we see what's going on here with Cody versus Dustin. And the match was great. The match was great. The part that got me at the end where he said, I don't want just a partner. He said, I want my older brother. Cody's voice cracked. And I could have swore B Live and Scotty D were in my living room cutting onions. <laughs> Cutting that, that, that was that was one of those that, 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 that was a, 
a a tear maybe you know um uh, I might might admit it on the on the air that um that that might have got me a little bit so yeah yeah but you know what the reason you're emotionally invested in it is because they kind of made that a real moment it wasn't a scripted thing and that's where. AEW has made a promise that they're going to let their guys speak more from the heart and do more of their own uh, real style promos, like old school. I mean, nobody told Ric Flair what to say back in the 80s, and, and he no. was the most over guy because of that. But uh, WWE has, has a tendency to make you run off a of script, and that's that, 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 that's kind of why I think that was, that was such a heartfelt moment. And even like Jim Ross looked like he was <laughs> crying and the, the other goofy guy that was doing commentary with a mask on, he was <laughs> wiping his tears. I knew it. I knew that. Yeah, that made no seriously, sense. You're doing commentary with a mask on. That made that on. made no sense. I, I I will agree with you on that. That and, is a that is Excalibur. Yeah, just to let you know. Excalibur. I, yeah, I, I saw it. Right now, a question for for you fellas: Did it was it just me, or did it sound like Jr. was like 15, 20 years younger? He sounded good. I thought he sounded on point, just like he didn't right. skip a beat. I thought he was good. Sounded fresh because Jim Ross did catch a lot of hell when he did the um, the uh, the uh, the New Japan when New Japan came over here last year in the U.S. Um, JR, Jim Ross did catch a little bit of heat about, oh man, he sounds old. He doesn't know the names. Uh, his 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 commentary partner Josh Barnett is not helping him at all. But you know what? Last night I could I can't tell. No, he they was more are, in his element last night. Yeah, I mean, right. And he's part of that production team where Japan, I think he was just over there, just kind of more or less winging it. I mean, probably yeah. not, not quite winging it, but not quite as – I mean, he's part of this production team and part of the the staff now on AEW, so he's going to be a big help. So he's helping tell a story that he's known. known. He, he might even be helping create it. You never know. But, no, he yeah. was good, man. I thought he was good last night. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Jr. was spot on. So, uh, yeah, so that Cody, that Cody Rhodes and uh, Dustin Rhodes match, uh, great, 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 and can't wait to see them at that next pay per view. I think it's called Fighter Fest, and I think it's in July. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I think this one, the next pay per view is Fighter Fest. Um, moving on, the next match are the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. Now, Scotty D, I'm going to lead off with you. Because I remember a while back you say you wouldn't, you didn't, you really didn't, weren't too fond of, you know, the mask and the Mexican wrestlers. But uh, you told me that the Lucha Bros may have changed your perspective on that altogether. Well, let's not go that far. Uh, I'm sorry. I I had seen uh, maybe one or two matches of Pentagon. That, That was the one Lucha Brothers name. I don't, Seattle, I, I don't believe I'd seen the uh, Phoenix before, but that that dude was incredible. I think it'd be awesome if they do all those things without wearing masks. You know, I mean, I just, I just <laughs> think it's time to stop Jesus, God. I mean, um, you you really don't want us to have an international audience. You really don't. I, <laughs> I, to the entire country of Mexico. I apologize on behalf of the Sports Bros and Wessel Bros podcast. Like, I, <laughs> yes, Is I it? know it's part. It's part of your culture. It's part of their culture. Are you kidding me? 
But it's all right. Yeah, I, it's I, I, time to stop wearing masks. Oh, oh boy, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's just becoming. Tough. All right, so we we know who the heel is <laughs> on um the Russell Bros podcast. I'm there not trying to be a heel. I'm yeah, you established. You are established. established. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. It's a wrap. You are the heel. But when yeah. I watch Lucha House Party roll to the ring on Monday nights, I'm reaching for my remote, boys. I ain't lying. I mean, it's 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 clownish. It's cartoonish. Oh no, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, it is. That is, yeah. that is that How are you is... supposed to take that serious? And those guys are good. I mean, they they fly around, they're good, but I All right, just can't so take that serious. I'm I'm I I'm a, I'm put a sidebar in this cuz I mean, that match was amazing. I mm-hmm. feel like just to touch base on because they have done luchadors wrong in a lot of facets. They've done wrong in WWE. I don't know what. The, like, I'm sorry, Lucha Underground, when I was watching that, like, I was, like, watching the the Mexican version of Survivor. Because, I mean, that's the guy who um, produced it. Yep. And it the, some of the storylines was just wrong. It was just wrong. Like, you... You're doing too much to make it into some type of drama, and I I just want wrestling. I want to like I want to see some acrobatics. I want to see that's what I want to see when I want watching Lucha Underground. Well, that that, ma- that that match with the Young Bucks had no shortage of acrobatics. Right, that match was crazy good. Yeah, it was it was it was good, man. Uh, the thing about Lucha Underground, Lucha Underground, it was um, Lucha Underground was not a promotion. But it was more like a television production that had wrestling on it. And from a storytelling standpoint, Lucha Underground did a phenomenal job of telling a story. Now, if you want a bone to pick, let's talk about the Mexicals, okay? You want to talk <laughs> about perpetuating stereotypes? Boy, I don't know if oh my God, I, don't know if I remember. Know, but, yes, but but you got psychosis, no mask, Juventud, no mask, super crazy, no mask. What do you got them doing? You got them in jumpsuits and riding lawnmowers to the ring, like wrong, just wrong, on, exactly. I, I'm I'm just over here, and and I'm and you know I was, I was in my twenties, and I was like, you know what, um, this ain't right, but I'm gonna try to like it, and I was like, nah, bruh, this 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 ain't it, man. So it's it's just a real, it's just a, you know, it's I understand when it comes to sports entertainment, you know, you you have to. You, you 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 come real close to blurring that line, but the damn Mexicos, I was like, Ugh, okay, now you perpetuate stereotypes. I'm like, uh, do you guys not have a diversity department in this company? Like, do you understand you're a publicly traded company? And I'm pretty sure they got letters and phone calls from everybody. Okay, I'm pretty sure they get, they get letters and phone calls, but they went ahead and went through with it and put a kibosh on it. But back to the um, the Bucks and the Lucha Bros match, uh, most definitely, man, it was a great match, and the Young Bucks retained the Shibuya. The Triple A World Tag Team Championships. Triple A, one of the hottest promotions in Mexico. They were on a downturn for a little bit, but from the looks of it, they're starting to right the ship once again. Speaking of right the ship once again, we have the Alpha himself, Chris Jericho versus the best bout machine, Kenny Omega. Scotty D, what's the thing about that match? I thought Chris Jericho looked fat. That's that was the biggest <laughs> takeaway I had. I thought that Chris Jericho looked lumbering and and slow and and gassed at times. And I think it slowed Kenny Omega down a little bit because I think he's in better shape. But it, it, the match itself was good. 
it just wasn't as good as the previous two. I, I thought that that it kind of put a it, it, it a little bit. It slowed slowed it down a little bit. I mean, it was. I would say if those other two matches were A pluses, that one was maybe like a B. Um, I didn't mm. think it was a terrible match. I thought it was uh, entertaining. Jericho is always entertaining. I, I gotta tell you, those guys were just chopping the hell out of each other, and that got to be a distraction for me. It, it was too much. Chop this, too, yeah, too many knife edge chops. I'm like, these guys both have plenty of moves in their arsenal, and they're and they're spending time just wearing each other's chests out. Especially Omega for a while, he just kept chopping Jericho till he was raw. I just thought that was too much, so I didn't enjoy that match as much as the other two, but. When you get to the end, and then all of a sudden, our surprise member of the Shield pops out of there. That then that kind of, you know, that that, that was, I consider that actually kind of be part of that match because it was part of that segment. But that that was pretty exciting finish, I thought. So overall, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really uh, give a thumbs down to that match. Or I, I might be sounding a little bit negative with it, but I, I really, you know, I, I enjoyed that match too, especially the beginning whenever the referee couldn't get the barrel out of the ring and Jericho oh, but, got mad. Man. Oh, what, that, what oh that was the <laughs> that was the funniest part of it. I'm over here like Riff's like, well, I'm gonna put it under the ring, and I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. you 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 do understand you have a rope that is bendable, but you have the apron, the hardest yeah. part of the ring. <laughs> He's to wedge it that ain't there. that's not moving. First of all, how the hell did the barrel get in the ring to begin with? Was yeah, that, I didn't see okay. it put in. I don't know. Somebody must have lifted it over the rope to start with and then just bailed on him and left the no plan to get it back out of there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm over like I'm over like, okay, because you know, normally at a wrestling convention, you know, you got stage hands that take care of, you know, things like that between changing the canvas and um, tightening the ring ropes and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, hey, we're just kind of just twiddling thumbs. And then Chris Jericho said, let me show you how to get this barrel out of the damn ring, right? <laughs> that was kind of funny, it, I thought. Yeah, put it between the bottom rope and the middle mm-hmm. rope. And that damn sure got a pop. I popped for that one. Most definitely. Yeah, I got hey, Jericho was, was super entertaining. And, and he, he, even last night, he was working the crowd during the match. I mean, they were they were completely responsive to him. He he hasn't lost a step when it comes to to – his entertainment value. I, I, I thought he just looked a little bit. I mean, I guess he's 48, 47, whatever. So that's bound to happen. Yeah. I'm approaching that age. So I can understand the slowing of the metabolism, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he looked strong. He just looked slower to me than, than usual. So, and I get, like I said, I guess that's to be expected. No, see, see, uh, Scotty D, you're being way too nice. You're being way Uh-oh. too nice. I'm gonna do a heel turn right here. Oh, I'm man, I was about to say we got a heel turn. I'm, 25 minutes into yeah, the show, we got a heel I'm turn. Oh man, I <laughs> was thoroughly disappointed in the Omega Chris Jericho match for the exact reasons you were already saying. Yeah, Chris Jericho was fat. He was slow. <laughs> Period. Period. Do you? I, I love the way you're trying to sugarcoat it. I love the way you you try you because. You don't want to take away from an overall amazing pay-per-view, amazing wrestling event. AEW, I believe, has staying power. I believe so. Here's the thing. If one thing, if they're going to have staying power, you've got to be truthful about certain things. That that match was poorly planned. That's why you had 50-11 knife edge chops, because there was 27 times Kenny Omega tried to put 
Chris Jericho on his shoulders and his whole back like the cave-in because <laughs> yeah. of too much weight. You, <laughs> the one-winged angel. <laughs> I'm just saying, he was trying. He was, in the, I'm, man, I'd have been like, man, bro, you need to lay off whatever you eating because you on my back. Did Did yeah. you think that the chop thing, thing got a little bit much too? I mean, were, were you, yeah, did was, you share that it, opinion with me? I, that's what, and the, the reason why they did that is because Kenny Omega couldn't do half the stuff he wanted to do in his um. And his move repertoire because shoot, it was you. You go into a match preparing for all of the stuff that you do behind the scenes, your house shows, and everything like that. The guy adds fifteen pounds. That affects everything. Hey, that's true. Yep. Even though there's little Japanese dudes around for a couple of years, Jericho's a little thicker. Yeah. All right. So yeah. I mean that it 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 just it looks sluggish. Like the the poor planning with the, the, this moment has been brought to you by Cracker Barrel. We got it now. Get the thing out of the freaking ring, the damn barrel. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you right now. Here, here's something else. I'm just gonna be 100 percent honest with you. I thought Chris Jericho was gonna take the barrel and throw it over the ring, and then he. I thought the same thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then when he grabbed it and he well he struggled with it. He's like, oh nope, 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 can't. I can't lift it like I want to. Let me try to roll it yeah. in between the ropes. That, you know, I was like, uh oh, this is a little amateurish. This was so yeah, he, he was, mm, did he? yeah, yeah, mm, a little suspect. But yeah, Chris Jericho was like, let me go ahead and get this barrel out of the ring for has me has me looking like a freaking punk in the ring. So uh, I don't think the match was that bad. Um, it could have been better, but um, this rivalry is far from done, in my opinion. Um, also, the winner of that match, there was a special stipulation. The winner of that match would go on to meet Hangman Page for the vacant AEW World title. Have you guys seen that belt? Yeah, the Hitman brought it out last night. Yes, I. that was another surprise, seeing Bret the Hitman Hart on an AEW pay-per-view. And I was like, oh, oh, they reached out to everybody. But I guess, you know, when you when you got when you got that con money, you know, hey, anything's possible. The Vegas um, screw job. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> I was like, oh, Vegas screw job. Bret Hart was like, all right, we, we've, mend, we've mended some bridges, and I bet one of those stipulations behind Men in the bridges, everything's like, hey, you're gonna put me in the, you're gonna put me in the Hall of Fame, but I'm still doing my own thing. Y'all ain't gonna put me in the contract because y'all really did screw a brother. If you really want to talk about, so hey, I'm a, I'm gonna still make some money on the side players. So exactly. All right, and um, as we did mention, John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose, makes his debut in AEW and beats up. Everybody, if it's moving, he knocked it out. And to be honest with you, normally there's a 90-day no-compete clause once you get released from the WWE, which means, um, which means three, I guess, what? Three months, you sit at home, you chill, you get a check. Now for that, you're going to do what you want to do. But I guess with um, Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose, he didn't resign his contract. His contract expired in April, which means he had the um, he had the time to you know he wasn't bound to the ninety day no compete clause. So, which means you know as soon as that as soon as the calendar turned, it was just up on him. And some someone put some stupid tweet up about you know he was gonna back away for a little bit and um, do some acting opportunities, do some indie wrestling, and then I was I'm like and see here's the thing about some about the dirt sheets and stuff when it comes to wrestling you can't 
you can't believe everything that you read and you can't believe everything that you hear because the rumor was, you know, he's supposed to do what he want to do for a little bit and then come back to WWE, but he's not going to do that because he signed a multi-multiple, which means more than one, a multi-year deal with AEW. So he's going to be there for a while, right? So he's going to be there for a while. So as far as that rumoring in your window of that of, of that silly tweet, you know, that's it's null and void. Um, nice try. Um, collect your money and get out the dough. Yeah, right? technically and, he didn't compete last night, so I don't know like what the technicality of that is because by the time AEW goes on the air, it'll be more than 90 days, so uh, yeah, he worked out his contract, so he might not have had that, like you said, regardless that might not have even been an issue, but if he didn't actually yeah. compete then, you know, he's, you know he wasn't in a match last night. He just came in and mopped up after the match. So well, I don't know what all the technicalities are on all that, but but he, uh, yep. for, from what I understand, yeah, he signed that multi-year deal, and until they go on the air, he's free to to do independent bookings and uh, work the indie shows. You have to do what he wants. Be like, what's thinking about John Moxley and AEW? And so, like I said, I was doing my um, my heel turn. He saved the ending of that pay-per-view because it was ending on a sour note. And then Chris Jericho doing his heel thing. And I was like, bruh, you sucked at that match, by the way. And now you're coming in talking trash to the crowd. Thank you, John Moxley. And even with that, he just came in beating up people. But it was that shock and awe effect of him coming in and doing what it do that really did thankfully take away from a a substellar match. I'm just just being honest. Yeah. It did kind of go long. I was like, all right, this thing gotta end soon. And then the the Judas effect, a spinning oh, the, 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 ooh, the, don't do it. Don't do it. This is no, no, we gonna talk about no we no, done opened up that no. door. We done got in the car, crank it up, floor it. Let's talk about the this. Ju- you mean to tell me, Chris Jericho, you go from the lion tamer to the walls of Jericho, to the cold breaker, to the Judas, Judas effect. effect, a spinning back elbow, like in 1975, oh, that would have got over. The, but last night, I'm like, and that's probably why I was like, oh, he he beat him? What did he beat him with? A spinning back What? And, and, and poor <laughs> JR. JR was trying his best to sell how devastating <laughs> the Judas was. effect was. And I'm over here like, bro, what in the hell did we just witness? I, yeah, what is I t- this? And see, Eddie, when I tell you I want to move on from things and let things go, you see, you you <laughs> had to bring it. Oh my goodness, because that that was not the only time on in AEW that pay per view that people were ma- ma- doing these spinning moves, and it was supposed to be the most devastating thing that anybody's ever seen, heard, felt. Not only was it poorly executed like it was it, it had no like it should it didn't even it shouldn't even phase them let alone be the knockout finisher but uh, just that's yeah you can well, you can take Kenny Omega and put him through tables and put him in the walls of Jericho but then you elbow him and you pin him uh, yeah not 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 a good finish I didn't like that either <laughs> and then whatever table that they had it was it, Okay, that was I'm a, a tough table. <laughs> okay, a like little, a ping pong table. Let me let me. Kenny and think about it. Kenny's not the big of a dude anyway. So you let know. me let me say this real quick. 
Because unfortunately, we have come to a time that because WWE has had pretty much essentially a monopoly over the wrestling industry for the American wrestling industry for quite some time, AEW has to come in somehow, some way, and redefine the wrestling industry. And I think it's going to be mm-hmm. hard to do. Like right now, I'm just telling you, AEW looks like the minor leagues of WWE, and, unf- and it should not be that way. It should be a comp- mm-hmm. it should be a competing factor. But the simple fact that AEW still use some of the names and some of the situations that. Right, um, made fighters famous in WWE. Like, even though uh, what, what per- Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger, what is his name now again? Uh, Sean, Sean Spears. Spears. He's still flashing the ten. Like, I don't know was that was that part of his indie thing before he made it to WWE, or was that his stick in WWE? But he's more he more known now for what he did in WWE, and then brought it over to AEW. The fact that. Um, Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, was that a WWE thing that they're still going with their Rhodes name as opposed to their actual name of Runnels? Is that, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, it's one of those things where they had to hold on to certain WWE elements just so the new crowd would recognize them. Yeah, but that I think that's part of the draw is to add familiarity to the unknown and, and bridge it together. I th- I thought it was well done, to be honest with you. I, I didn't feel like I was watching a minor league production at all. I know that uh, obviously being their first first one as AEW, and I know it's their second big pay-per-view, I thought it was really well done. And you're always going to have some too. bugs yeah. to work out, and there's going to be a few things here and there, but I, I – I, I I didn't feel like I was watching a minor league. I felt like uh, I'm watching an upstart that's going to be competitive. They're not going to topple WWE. They're not WWE is not going anywhere. But I I do no. think it's uh it, it's going to give us some more competition, and that'll make WWE better. I'm, right. I mean, I that, I I think it's it's wrestling is better when there's more than one head entity. When you have multiple, I mean, if, if you look at the landscape right now, this is why I love talking about wrestling, wrestle bros podcast. Let's get it. Mm-hmm. All right. When you when you look at the whole landscape of professional wrestling, um dating back to the territories and everything, you you know, you had individual territories, you know, there was all it was ran by the promoter nine times out of the ten, the promoter of that territory was also the champion of that territory. Reason being, you know, he ain't gonna, you know, He's not going to up and leave his own territory, so that's why he became, you know, the champion, um, i.e. Vern Gagne from the AWA, Eddie Graham down in Florida, uh, the Fullers in Tennessee, um, the Von Ericks in, um, in uh, Texas and Dallas and everything, and then, you know, out west, uh, we had everybody else. And um, so it's just a fact that now it has become, you know, once Vince McMahon, you know, went on his great, I don't want to say pillage, but when he went on his great pillage and in the in the in the eighties and bought everything except for you know Jim Crocker Promotions, it was Vince versus Jim Crocker Promotions. Then it became Vince versus WCW, and then it got to the point where you know WCW made enough money, but they couldn't get out their own way because due to their own stupidity, and not and also I don't know if you guys know this, but also it came to the point where where Turner, where TNT and the Turner Networks they no longer wanted wrestling. But the funny thing about it was. Wrestling was one of the highest rated programs 
for like 20, 25 years. Now, all of a sudden, when this AOL Time Warner merger came around, oh, now we don't want it. Because, you know, a few people just turn their nose up at it. I mean, I'm sorry. If I'm a network and that's my highest rated program, I'm doing what I can to keep that on my station because that's keeping my station alive. That's keeping eyes on the product and the program. So, therefore, we have eyes on product and the program. You get sponsors and so forth and so such. Money comes in. But it got to the point where WCW is bleeding so much damn money to where, you know, they could barely afford to keep the lights on. And then Vince came in and bought his competition. And then between him buying WCW and AEW now, it was just him. I don't even want to talk about Impact. I don't even want to consider them competition. No. It was just a flash in the pan. They were just hot for a minute, and then once they decided that they want to go Monday night, oh, it was all over but the crying. <laughs> I'm going to say one thing about Impact. The second they left the six-sided ring and went to a four-sided ring, that was it. They, oh, yeah. they 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 conformed. They was it was such an upstart. I know there was a lot of traditionalists and stuff like that, and it was a little bit more difficult with the six sided ring, but it was different. And I guess that, in my mind, is where like I don't want AEW to look like a minor league WWE. I want I want it to be that upstart. And I I guess I'm placing my personal opinion aside, and and looking from the outside in looking at the the general wrestling fanatic the people that you're yep. actually you're trying to attract the the i guess the because wrestling purists as a whole is not a vast majority like the people that are studying the moves and and the people that are listening to this podcast they're 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 gonna they want something more than I mean just the the normal um the normal watcher of wrestling. So I guess um what I'm what I'm saying is that I just want I want it to be different. I want it to be upstart. I want it to be hey reinvent yourself. This is the perfect opportunity for Cody Rose to reinvent himself for Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Chris Jericho, I mean, it's always gonna be Chris Jericho. The Jericho Omega thing was from what. What um what um faction was that? Not faction, but what um was that New Japan? That was New Japan. Yep, yeah, that was New. Yep, New Japan. That mm-hmm. was New Japan. Was that? So that was that was brought over from that. But this is a, a big opportunity for people to reinvent themselves. Ty Dillinger, I think, or what, what is his name again? God, uh, Sean Spears. Spears. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Like this, Sean Spears. I can't remember him because he came in, he just changed his name, but still has the same perfect 10 sticks. I get that. He should have put on a mask. Oh. That would have made it different. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made it fun. But no, I overall, I'm, I'm very thankful for AEW. It is going to be something where WWE has to step up. They've already lost a considerable amount of talent. And yep. so it's one of those things where now we're, I'm gonna I'm gonna let this be a segue because we're gonna talk about the silliness that the WWE is coming with with the 24 seven title. Oh boy, this. <laughs> but 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 before I'm sorry, Bilal, But before we go there, uh, just to let um, everyone and ourselves know uh, at the height of the wrestling boom around the Attitude Era. Uh, you had 11 million people 
up to 11 million people watching professional wrestling. Now it is taking a staggering decline to 2 million people. And Fox said, look, you want to be on the network? You know what you got to do? <laughs> 3 million plus every week. Okay? 3 million plus every week. And that would be such a... That would be bad if they were like 2.5, 2.8, 2.9. And like, hey, you think Fox won't let you go? Ask um, Empire and Star and some of those other shows, okay? Uh, as B-Live did mention... The 24-7 title was introduced last Monday by Mick Foley. Um, it's not his fault, to be honest with you. It was just it's just the fact that um you're trying to once again grasp at something or the classic case of throwing something against the wall and hoping that it sticks. Now the 24-7 title was initially supposed to be defended during the third hour of Raw, and the third hour of Raw is supposed to be stripped down, gritty. Black and white, looking real basic. Um, the first, uh, um, the first twenty four seven champion wound up being Titus O'Neil for a grand total of fifty five seconds, until Bobby Roode hit him in the face with a pie, got a pin, he took the belt, and then next thing you know, Bobby Roode was trying to get away in the getaway car. Out pops the referee. Truth kicks him. He gets the belt one, two, three, and our truth is the third right now Eddie Cool, the head of creator right now is laughing because it's such a laughable matter like no, nothing it is. nothing about this 24-7 title is relevant nothing oh, God. It is yeah but you know what I, I, I cut it into halfway into Smackdown and when I put it on and I saw R-Truth running down the hallway with a blonde wig. Man, yeah. that was funny to me. So if, if they're yeah. going to make me laugh a little bit, if they're, if they're using this to be some comic relief, I, I get, before I completely condemn it, I got I to gotta wait and see how it goes. Because it, it, I, I was like the fans when they first unveiled it the other night. I'm like, really? That's what you're doing? Yeah. Not only that, but it looked like they they, they popped that belt out of, out of a plastic at walmart like this is, this is a toy belt and it, it yeah. i mean it looks ridiculous i mean it's really bad but maybe that's what they wanted maybe they want it to be ridiculous and have have these guys fighting over a ridiculous belt i'm not super excited about it but if our truth's involved then i i like it i guess because because I, I have such a high opinion of him but yeah i mean what <laughs> it's funny that a referee will just pop out of anywhere like you know He's in the car, and you know if if they keep it going, and they're and they're they're walking through an airport and get attacked, and a referee comes out of nowhere, and he's still wearing a striped shirt. That kind of thing could be funny, I think. Yeah. Eddie Cool, yeah, Eddie Cool. I, <laughs> let me give you your absolute props, by the way, because your Tron Kilo Thursday was hilarious. <laughs> what was the world heavy metal weight? Champion. I'm glad you brought oh, that up. Okay, man. <laughs> In case you miss uh, this week's edition of Tranquil Thursday, I was opining on two things: um, Kawhi Leonard, the whole Max Kellerman Kobe situation. I could not let it go with the 24/7 title. I compared it to a title in Japan known as the. You ready for it? Be live. Let me make sure I got it right here. Um, 
the DDT is a promotion called DDT Dramatic Dream Team Promotion. Uh, Kenny Omega once wrestled there. Joy, uh, Joey Ryan once wrestled there, and also Kota Abushi he uh, once wrestled there as well too. The name of the title is. <clears throat> All right, let's try it. Ready? The DDT Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Championship. The Iron Man me- Heavy Metal Weight or Metal Heavyweight? Heavy 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 Metal heavy Weight Championship. Heavy Metal Weight Championship. What is it? What is this? Uh, sponsored by Metallica? Kiss? Heavy Metal? I don't, sorry, my bad. I, 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 I I don't know somebody 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 got screwed on I'm, the deal somebody screwed I'm, the cooch on the deal. But, but it, you had me <laughs> falling out. I fell. I died when you talk about a pew monkey. I uh, a pew um um. <laughs> I posted a picture. You saw it. A monkey won the title, and a ladder is two a time. two time two time. <laughs> Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon star. I yes. saw that video, and I'll say you got you have got to be kidding me. So I get the comedic relief. I get it. Oh my god, mm-hmm. it is it is pretty funny. What I'm, I'm I follow our truth, and he has the belt, and he, I get there was one video where he had his daughter, and that was as cute as could be. And it's one. It's I I like the comic relief. But mm-hmm. I really, honestly, God, I think they're reaching for straws at this point of time, trying to make they're trying to make some story out of the mid Carters that they've overlooked for years now, and now they're trying to make it some like they're trying to either make it com- comedic or make it somewhat relevant because they're actually losing a lot of their talent to their up and coming talent. Because they sat on them for too long, from what I, from the little bit I gathered. Yeah, so at least they're yep. getting on TV. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you go weeks at a time without seeing some of these guys. At least they're getting on TV by doing this, and I, I guess that's a start. You have an opportunity maybe to get a little more exposure. That's that's probably the silver lining of it. Is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what I look at as like, okay, this title is because think about it, who all come running out the out, out the locker room? It was Titus O'Neil, Bobby Roode, EC three, No Way Jose, EC three, oh, Carl yeah. Carl Anderson, Carl, yeah, Anderson and Gallows. Yeah. Um, so guys that are said, guys hey, that are good enough to be being utilized, and they're they're not on TV. So at least they're on TV. They're they're getting you know they're getting some kind of exposure doing that. Like, that, that 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 beats just watching. I mean, how many times do they just keep replaying what you saw in the first fifteen minutes? I mean, how many times do you watch Raw and and you, the first fifteen minutes are dedicated to setting up the show tonight, and then the next hour they show the same thing that you've already seen. I mean, how many times exactly. have you seen that? This is better than that, I think. Yeah, and when that third when that third hour comes around, man, I, it's like. <sighs> if, if you ask me, they should simplify it and keep it to two. Keep it to two, and which means when you keep it to two hours, no, 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 don't simplify and put it to two hours. Give us more matches. Stop giving us okay. replays. You give us more meaningful matches. Don't add another silly title. I mean, give me some. Give me more battle royals. Give me more. Um, 
Give like, me more Zelina Vega. Ah, yes. Just give me more Zelina. So you just, see, just put, plenty. give her the last hour. Make it her, the Zelina plenty. hour. Plenty. She is, I'll promise I'll she is hotter than train smoke. So just put her on TV. Oh, boy. All right. So, um, what, 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 I will, stay, I, I, will, I, I will stay awake for that. I, sure, I, 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 I think the way that Scotty D just talked about Zelina Vega just took our rating from PG to PG 13. Just for a record, kids, don't try this at home. And uh, I don't know, <laughs> and, and don't put any mask on that girl. <laughs> we won't see all that. Yeah. Show them all 32 teeth, girl. Show all 32 two teeth. You keep on, Scott. Elsa Black gonna get you because they married in real That's life. <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's see. What else we got going Oh, so that's it for the uh, 24-7 title. We all agree that, okay, it gives these guys something to do in the final hour of Raw because at that point, you know, all the main storylines that we really care about, okay, we've either seen at the beginning of the show, the middle of the show, or we don't see it all. So, therefore, just more hodgepodge throw against Raw. Um, I kind of think it's a reach, but hey, man, you got to do what you got to do to get your ratings up. And with you moving to Fox, SmackDown moving to Fox, you got to figure something out quick. Okay. I feel like talking trash. Brock Lesnar mm-hmm. again, Mister Money in the Bank. Are we we we're, we're not done with him? Retired from MMA. We 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 we, we, we have to deal with him more. More and yeah. and now now he's got he's got a briefcase with a guaranteed contract and he's pretending like it's a boombox on his shoulder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what in the entire hell is going on? I what he has no rhythm or flavor. Like what what is he trying to do? Stop it. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, I I thought Brock Lesnar winning that case was fantastic. I loved that. I loved it. I love Brock having that briefcase. That creates different kind of suspense than you've seen out of a Money in the Bank winner forever. That it's a whole different ball game with Brock. It's like it's like uh something hanging over these guys' heads and have you ever seen it before where the champion go out and say, cash that in on me? I want you to cash in because they want to get it over with. They want to get it out of the way. You haven't never seen that. Yep. It's a whole different kind of angle with Brock Lesnar doing it. And anytime you get Paul Heyman on TV talking and Brock grinning and, and jumping around while he's doing it, sign me up, man. I like it. I tell you what, man, that's the thing about Paul. That's the thing about this pairing about Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. And Paul, what Paul Heyman can do, Paul Heyman can talk him in the building. He can talk them in the building, and it's the classic case of Paul Heyman is one of those guys that's been around in the business forever, and he has the gift for gab. If you would allow me to volley, sir, about the beast incarnate Brock, you should hear um, Bruce Pritchard's impersonation of um, of Paul Heyman. It is absolutely funny, but it's true. Though. I mean, Paul just has the ability to talk them into the building. To If you aren't interested, guess what? When, after you're done, you will have an interest in it because you know what? Brock ain't got the best mic skills at all. Brock's mic skills are non-existent. So that's why you need a mouthpiece like Paul Heyman to talk them in the building for you. And what you do, you go in the ring, you beat them up. Well, here, here's here's the thing about... Um, about actually, Brock could probably... 
talk more if he would get the opportunity. They they choose to go that route and it's and it works. It's gold. But this is not the same as him being the champion and not being on TV. This is something way different. This is more interesting because he's seeking the title. I agree. That mm-hmm. sucked with him being the champion so much of the time the last couple oh. of years because you don't have the title on TV being defended and you're creating other storylines around it. But if he's not the champion, so what if he's part-time? Let him let him come and go. I, they're not gonna, I don't think they're going to put the title back on him. Yeah. Probably. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Be like, what, what, are you, what are you saying upon it? Was, like, I am such a fan of the money in the bank. I, I think it was one of their better concepts. I like the fact that it was almost a guarantee that the money in the bank ladder winner would some some way somehow eventually win the title. I think what they did with the women was phenomenal. I think that was how the money in the bank is supposed to be. It's supposed to be something completely random that you mm-hmm. don't see it coming. Somebody gets beat up, pat, pat, pat. Oh, you you just won, or you close to losing, or whatever. Bring in, bring in the um um the briefcase, smack somebody over the head with it. I don't know, but I I I see your angle. I see Sky D. I see your angle when it comes to Brock Lesnar. Right? Because what what if he doesn't show up on TV now the rest of the summer? How many times if if Seth's in the ring or Kofi's in the ring, all you have to do is play his music. The, you know, the Brock's, whatever that goofy sound is before he comes out. You play that, and the fans are looking, and they are out of their seats. He doesn't even have to be oh, yeah. there. It's just the thought of him being there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he could he could skip the next three months and come back in SummerSlam. But it's the idea of him being out there somewhere lurking with that case. That's different. That's interesting. Well, I mean, I, I can agree to a point. Mm-hmm. But when does it become the boy who cried wolf? Where Good where point. his where his music de- no longer has an effect because now now essentially where the universal championship became irrelevant and it really did and it's still like it still hasn't doesn't have as much luster because he held it for so long and he wasn't there it wasn't a fighting belt and really he had. I, I may be tripping I may be slipping a little bit in the brain but has. Has um freaking Seth Rollins defended it yet? I don't yeah, remember. The, the night after yes. WrestleMania. Oh yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, the, but the, now he defended it once since WrestleMania. That's a month and a half. Seth? No, he um he had a match against AJ Styles. That yeah, was the last pay per view. Yeah, the last pay per view. Okay. And he defended against Kofi the. The very next night, and that match interrupted mm-hmm. at the end. They didn't, they didn't finish. But, uh, but yeah, I, I find the Money in the Bank briefcase should be seen and displayed. If it's not, if it's not already being used, which I think is great. I want to see what they do with Bailey. I think that I think that went phenomenally. I think that's exactly how it should have went. She needed yeah. that. Oh, she, she needed that. that. Because and I think that just added a completely different spin to it. I I really honestly did not like the whole Becky two belts thing. Thank God, but you did. You didn't I did like not it? like Becky two belts because it was oh. it's a, so much talent, 
in the women in the women's locker room for it all to be behind one one woman. And I mean, I get the hype behind it, but it it the fact that the two belts are around one person. I mean, I don't know. At, at this point, they need to get rid of the two belts altogether because, let's face it, it's not a brand split anymore. If the if the cha- if both champions are going to be on both nights, what sense does that make? And the whole wild card rule. Yeah, they, the wild, this is this is, I'm this sorry. is really bad right now. Where 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 is my two ply toilet paper so I can wipe my tail with the wild card rule? Because that's just it. It's not a brand. You're absolutely right. It's not a brand split anymore. And Never. every champion right now is a face, and that that typically doesn't work. It's it's always better to have a heel champion than a face chase. Exactly. Yeah, you you got you got you got to kind of mix it up, man. Because as you said, man, it's just the fact that you have to you you gotta you ha- you have to mix it up because you know if it's just like a face champion, face champion, face champion, that's cool. Well, guess what? You're gonna need a heel to come in there to get the belt and to have the next best face to chase that heel for that said title. That's how it works. I mean, you know, they try to say, oh, there ain't no such things as good guys and bad guys. Yeah, that's true to an extent. But then again, you know, you got heels and baby faces and tweeners and, you know, and if you look at it, the NWO changed that dynamic because, you know, the NWO made bad guys cool. Ric Flair made, you know, you know, heels cool. And Tully Blanchard back in the day, they made heels cool. And so it's just the fact that you have to have a white meat baby face such as John Cena chasing the title again. We know he ain't chasing nothing but a movie check nowadays. Um, and shout out to him and what he does for for the whole Make-A-Wish Foundation, man. How, how many wishes he granted? Like over a thousand or close to it? Shout out for John Cena for doing that, man. Um, you know, it's just you just have to have that I think you have to have that equal balance and equal balance and you because even if you look at the the titles in NXT, there's no tag team champions. Let's see. The women's champion is, let me see. Well, okay. The women's champion in NXT, that's Shayna Baszler. The TNA champion, is, I mean, I'm sorry. The NXT champion is Johnny Gargano. And I don't know if he's heel or face or whatever. But uh, I don't want to say it's kind of confusing, but you know, you have to have, they have to have people to chase them. Right. And then, and then the Velveteen Dream is just on another level. He, he just Spice. does his own thing. So that's what makes him such yeah. a draw. But yeah, I, yeah. I think because I'm going to tell you what a, a very big issue that WWE has right now. They got to find a way, unfortunately, to because like you say, everybody's a face, everybody's a face. They've got to find a way to write off one of their faces. They've, they've got to yeah. find a way because somebody got turned. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you can already tell the luster is already falling off of Kofi Kingston. It is, yep. is I mean, like his the whole New Day stick and everything like that. The crowd claps and everything, but even not even the, his matches are like not as overwhelming as they were before when he was chasing the dream. The thrill of the chase. Yep. It's the it's the thrill of the chase, and so. That's that. All right. So, um, yeah, just that's the status of money in the bank and what could be done moving forward. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about the not so elephant in the room, but it said Bray Wyatt and the was it the Firefly Funhouse? 
Yeah, a little, a little different. Um, at first I was like, "What in the hell is going on?" So he took time off to do this. But each week it gets different, and each week it, it, there's another layer that's being uncovered. And I can't wait to see the big payoff. To be honest with you, what you guys feel about Bray Wyatt's uh, Firefly Funhouse? <laughs> oh, I will say this. Everything that WWE was trying to do to make it PG and kid friendly, they just said to heck with it with Bray Wyatt. I'm I'm a 36 year old man and I'm about to have nightmares with that crazy looking freaking mask he got on. Yeah. And I saw I'm I'm just gonna say that I don't even know what angle they're trying to do with that. They, they some kid has nightmares right now because of Bray Wyatt. That's that's it. I, I, I think wow. <laughs> I think it's gonna all come down to um I mean when when he debuted he was like this scary kind of odd character. If they're gonna make him be scary, they can't make the same mistake. You gotta let him win. I mean he just kept going out and eating pins. Every feud he would get into, he'd be like this have this like scary psychological advantage. And then he'd end up losing three times at a, in a row at a pay per view to whoever he was battling against. You got to let him win, or otherwise it, it loses its effectiveness. I I didn't understand it. Like the Firefly, he was one of those heels that it was cool to be a heel because he like it was the psychological things he did. He is absolutely amazing behind the camera. Like he he oh, puts he is, on yeah. in an, a, a production that really is second to none. And I don't, I don't get it for the life of me, or why they went away from his original stick. The, they just the, kept having him lose, it, right? It, it, I he didn't, just was losing every every feud, and and that took away from I, his character. He should have, he should have been winning. He should have beat John Cena at WrestleMania when he was super super hot, and they, and he didn't get yeah. over. I mean, that that they just they just destroyed the the credibility of that character. If you have someone who's supposed to have this, like. Supernatural power, or whatever it is. I mean, that, eater, the eater of worlds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he, he. It was a really unique, interesting character when he first came out, and he still could have been. They when they revived him going against crazy Matt Hardy, that was a that was good. And then oh. he went out to Matt Hardy's farm. Oh, that was and he great. Lost that was... Again, and which which <laughs> made no sense to me. None. Like they, that's the hardy, that's the hardy compound. Yeah, they man. went hardy to the hardy compound. Comp- comp- they they did, they did, they did. WWE did a halfway decent job of inter, like intertwining Matt Hardy and what his, the character he created when he was with TNA. They like they, I, they, they did a decent job of it. They didn't really screw it up. But then when like when they meshed, they made that feud between Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. That was that was wrestling gold. It mm-hmm. was gold, and they ruined it. I think that yeah. should have been an ongoing feud. That should have went on for. It could, they could have done so much over the course of an entire year, and they just dropped it. They just said the heck with it. They just. I don't understand it. I just don't get where they, like, you, uh, oh. I, I I think the problem is you just have entirely too, back in the day, the, the, writing, the writing team was small, right? The writing team was, you know, 
I think Pat Patterson, Vince McMahon, and Bruce Pritchard. And then when Vince Russo came in, it was him too. And then Vince Russo also had Ed Ferrara. So you all, so you had like, you know, at max, a five man writing team. Now you got these Hollywood writers in there that really don't know a lot about wrestling and they just try to make, you know, okay, this here is an entertainment product. We have to make it appealing to this, that one, and the third, but. I'll say it for the third time. They're trying to cook spaghetti. And then they want to test to see if it's done. They want to throw it up against the wall. And if it sticks, it's done, it works. But if it falls to the ground, back to the drawing board. I, I, I think you got too many chefs in the kitchen. And no one wants to run the food. Everybody wants to cook the food. But if you know, but if you guys know the restaurant industry like I know, you can't have people cooking one, you know, 50, 11 people cooking the same dish over and over again because you're going to get different results. So that's we have to minimize the situation as far as like, okay, well, you know, okay, well, I'll write this and I'll write that. I'll write this and I'll write that. Okay, I'm, you know, we're going to make this little small team. You other guys, you go do what you want to do. We'll use you. We'll call you when you need you. You have to simplify the writing team. You got too much going on. But at one point, uh, the legend, um, rest in peace, legendary uh, com- uh, comedian Patrice O'Neill was a WWE writer, but he said, "You know what? I gotta go because I got some weekend gigs and I can't give it up." He told that to Stephanie. Stephanie was like, "Well, guess you gotta go." He's like, "Yep, well, I quit." At one point, they had Freddie Prince Jr. back there writing content for the WWE. So, yeah, but, it's but none like, of that it's, matters it's, if the if the head chef isn't letting the cooks get creative because Vince McMahon is the one who has the ultimate say and. And they and everything becomes formulaic. I, I'll give you an example. Last week we saw Cesaro wrestle Ricochet, and he beat him. Mm. How much you want to bet those two wrestle again on Monday Night Raw, and Ricochet wins this time? Any takers on that action? They, they call it. They call that fifty-fifty 50 booking. booking. It's formulaic laziness. I mean, it's how many how many times is uh, Shane McMahon going to come out and yell? And bring a henchman with him, and right now it's McIntyre, and he's going to put him in there and against Roman some, Reigns, the hero. I mean, it's it's formulaic, and throw some of the world's worst working punches. Oh, yeah. th- th- I just don't. Th- <laughs> <laughs> See, why do you enjoy? Why do you enjoy just irritating the crap out of me with just the things that go on in this wrestling world? If I have to see them stoop, and the thing about it is, I'm gonna see him for another five to ten years because, for whatever reason. The McMahons think that we want to see Shane McMahon. Yeah, I know. We, I don't get that either. I that. really, I really don't. Honestly, I'm tired of it. I don't want. I don't want to see Shane McMahon at a pay per view jump off of a platform anymore. I'm. Yeah, we've seen all that. They should we... just put a mask on him. Call him <laughs> El Shano. At, at this point, I mean, you know, Best hey, hey, like I said. You get, yeah, best in the L, best in the planetary or I am not gonna lie, I do like the best in the world. But, oh, that's so tired. Uh, the, 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 yeah, they're running but, the CM Punk thing in the ground there, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, besides that, though, like I don't want to see, I don't want to see shame, man. I don't want to see Lars Sullivan or Snitsky 1.5, yeah. I don't want to see, like, for the love of God, can we please get Braun Strowman over? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, just uh, 
formulate. You guys said it best. It's and I'm just like, please something, and not the 24 seven title because that that's just just comedy. I, Having I, said I, that, I can't wait to watch Raw on Monday. I'm gonna watch anyway. I, yeah, I mean that. I mean that's what it is. It's, it's kind of like it's at the point where we watch it out of habit because I'm I watch it to see. I'm hoping and praying that something new happens. Yeah, I, I think we watch with you know bated breath and like, man, I hope they do something different. I hope something happens and I hope someone comes out. Well, who's coming back from injury? Speaking of coming back, uh, Dolph Ziggler. Did you guys see uh, Tuesday Night SmackDown this past week where Dolph Ziggler came back and just beat up Kofi and was like, hey, this should be me, this should be me. And now this sets up the match for the Super Showdown. Where's it again? In Saudi Arabia? Yeah, the Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia. Now we got a a world title match between Dolph Ziggler and uh, Kofi Kingston. And Dolph Ziggler just walked up, just just come busting up out of nowhere. But you know, I'm going to beat you up. It should be me. I want a title match. Um, quick question, guys. How do you guys feel about the Goldberg Undertaker match at the Super Showdown? And be honest. <laughs> 15 to 20 years ago, I'd have been pumped. Mm. But, but here's what I think is going to happen. Undertaker's going to walk real slow to the ring. And he's going to roll his <laughs> eyes back. And him and Goldberg are going to stare each other down. And he's going to go for a spear, and Undertaker's going to kick out, and then he's going to uh, give him the last ride of the tombstone, and then he's going to walk up the ramp, and he's going to stop and look back and raise his hand up in the air real slow. All the fi- so let's see. That's going to be – let me see. If we do the math correctly, be live help us out. So it takes the Undertaker, the average, depending on the ramp size, it's going to be a long ramp. It's going to be in a big stadium. Yeah. So it's going to take the Undertaker probably about like what two? His ring entrance is going to be a good two and a half minutes. Then the match is going to be three and a half. Yeah. So we're looking at what five and some pocket change. That's not six. That's six minutes, uh, Undertaker. But you you got to throw in um, Goldberg's entrance isn't short either. No, it's no, it's not. It's no, it's not that short, man. It's just. Um, so I mean, you 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 might have more entrance time than you have match time. But I'm I'm gonna say this real quick while we're doing math and everything. I I don't know if I was a person in Saudi Arabia that actually has been following WWE for quite some time. I would think this pay per view that they bring it over to our beloved country is a complete slap in the face. Are you serious? Who, who, who did the research and said, guess what? Saudi Arabia is so far behind in the times as opposed to the United States that our main event would be Goldberg versus The Undertaker. Are you kidding me right now? You know what this is? This this is this is just it's dude, it's about the M O, the N E, the Y. Um, I think last year they signed a ten year deal with um they, I think they have some kind of working arrangement to improve the relations of freedom and everything. It's political. I'll go ahead and say it. Everybody else don't want to say it, I'll go ahead and say it. It's a, it's a it's a political move and the WWE is really benefiting off of it because the Saudis are throwing money, tossing money, big old bundles and bags of money 
at the WWE, and they're like, you know what, um, we ain't, you know, we only got two point three people over, you know, stateside watching this, so we'll gladly take those, you know, um, we'll gladly take that, you know, whatever the I forgot what the breakdown was, but we'll gladly take that money, and every year we we'll come over and do a pay per view, you know, two pay per views out of the year, and guess what? You see pyro there, all kind of pyro. All kind of firecracker budgets. I said, well, there goes the WWE network budget right there. <laughs> the network, the network subscription paid for the pyro in Saudi Arabia. And they can't even get over here to the U.S. Oh, we got to cut it back for budget cuts. But you shooting fireworks over there in Saudi Arabia. Like, I, I don't get it. It's, it's, a, it's a money move, man. I mean, I'm not mad at them, but it's like you, like, come on now. It's like Scott said, you give us a match is what? 15, 20 years ago, we would have really cared about. Now it's kind of like, okay, now you're just rolling out the old codgers once again and that whole nostalgic factor. But it's at the point like, you know, Undertaker doesn't really work strong like he used to work like that. Those long WrestleMania matches, like the, like the I think my personal opinion, the last big Undertaker match that he had was that last match he had against Shawn Michaels where he retired Shawn Michaels. Those back-to-back matches were great. Those two WrestleManias, those were great. But you don't, but you just have to realize, you know, it's fellas, it's all about the nostalgic factors now because you have a lot of wrestling podcasters out now and they're talking about, you know, what happened when, what happened during the Monday Night Wars, and what happened during the territory days. And that's some, and that's a lot of big money for the nostalgic factor. So that's what this whole I think that's what this is about. The WWE said, Well, you know what, we want to get into this whole nostalgic money too. So therefore Let's go ahead and call The Undertaker. Let's go ahead and call Goldberg. They'll come over here, give them X amount of dollars, you know, $2.5 million maybe just to show up. Um, you take a bump, you take a bump, you take the fall, you go over, and everybody gets what they want. Because that's what it sounds like to me. Hmm. Uh, we'll see. I'm like, again, not overly excited for the Super Showdown. I'm, I'm, am I going to wake up? Um, Friday morning, afternoon to tune in to see something that really has nothing to do with the running timeline of events in WWE. Like Goldberg versus Undertaker affects absolutely nothing. It does nothing unless Brock Lesnar is going to come down, take the take the um, take the money in the bank briefcase. That has nothing to do with not both of them out so they can get rolled out and then Kofi Kingston comes in and I don't I don't know. Like I think Brock's gonna challenge Seth on Raw and that's that match is gonna happen there. You think yeah. so? Because Seth doesn't have anything advertised for that yet. I think he I think that's what's going down over there. Nope. And then I, I think they got another uh pay per view on this side called um Stomping Ground. Coming out soon, another new uh people call WWE Stomping Stomping Grounds, so with Stomping and Grounds and Ground Zero, something like that. So um, yeah, that's that's what's going on with that. What else is on that whole Super Show card? I think we got um, Battle Royal. Under- Titus is going to fall under the ring. I'll have that again. I hope. So. I'll, yeah, I'll I'll definitely pay to see that yeah. again. That yeah, World Slide. Right. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We got Randy Orton and Triple H. Uh, that's a rivalry that's been around since forever. <laughs> okay, it's been yeah, it's been a while since forever. Yet, um, the Super Showdown will be taking place June the seventh in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, at the King Abdullah International Stadium. 
uh, let's see, at this time, there is really no big main event. So um, we got like a few matches, you know, that one. And then, you know, you got Randy Orton and Triple H once again. Uh, if you don't know the history, uh, Randy Orton and Triple H were in, along with Rick Flair Batista, in a group called Evolution. And, of course, Triple H's ego got in the way. And, well, you know what happened after that. <laughs> he went to go do his own thing. And uh, that's that. That's that as far as that goes. And Randy Orton become one of the greats. And Triple H wound up marrying into the family and become the COO of WWE, which I think he'll do a better job than Vince when he takes over. So, all right, so here's what we got going on here. All right, we got Triple H versus Randy Orton grudge match, a 50-man battle royal, the Goldberg and Undertaker match, which we talked about, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. Um, let's see, the only match I really, I'm really looking forward to is um, Finn Balor and Andrade for the Intercontinental Championship. And then we got Shane McMahon versus Roman Reigns and Kofi versus Dolph Ziggler. Um, am I the only one that finds this card lackluster? I already told you that. I'm, I, I, <laughs> fell asleep, I literally just fell asleep you, with you reading that. You, I'm just being 100% honest. Finn Balor Andrade, that's the only one I'm watching. Yeah, because either, either we've seen like variations of these matches or, or I just want to see the, uh, the Battle Royal just to see it. 50, I'm trying to figure out where these 50... 50 people are coming from. I didn't know. Hell, they got, hell, they, they probably got 50 people at Raw alone. <laughs> okay. They, the, the, the bodies are there. The bodies are there. Who knows? They might drag somebody up from NXT and just, uh, they might get some yeah, of we don't, Yeah, we're going to see a whole bunch of people that we ain't seen in months. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm falling asleep on the WWE right now. I'm, 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 I'm ready to talk about something else. Cause you know, <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause, you, cause you know, we got the Sports Bros podcast coming up, and I know there's some voices and choices and all kinds of things that people are ready to hear about. Because I'm just, I'm just saying, WWE, get it together, do something. Yeah, that's all I got. Quick, to say. quick. And with that being said, be live rule, uh, be live and Scotty rule in this episode, episode one of the wrestle. <laughs> Bros podcast. All right. And with that being said, be live. How can they reach you? Well, you can find me where you find me. Wherever I decide to be at. No, I'm just playing. You can <laughs> you can find me right now. I'm not even gonna lie to you. You can find me. I'm on vacation right now. I'm doing a little mini vacate. This is actually being recorded from the ATL, baby. ATL. Well, you can find me back in Fayetteville, North Carolina at Max Speed Shop. I'll be back there on um when on when these podcasts roll out on Tuesday. But you can also find me on the Instagram and Twitter. This be your boy with no I. T H S B E Y A B O Y B L I V E. You can also find me with the Sports Bros on Twitter. Sports Bros PCAST. Find me on Facebook. My name's Brian Livingston. If you want to look a brother up, you ain't getting the government. Now, you, ain't, you, know what I'm you ain't getting the whole government, but you you get you get <laughs> enough to um, locate me or locate us, Sports Bros Podcast, on our Facebook like page. 
Um, check us out. Listen, like, comment, and share. Give us feedback. We want to get better for you, the fans, the listeners. Thank you all. Exactly. Scotty D, where can they reach you? Um, I, I hope they can't. Uh, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to not be reached. I, and I just want to tell you guys, you know, I, I don't need a, I don't need a friend, and I don't need a partner. I just need my sports brothers. Oh, that's cute. Oh, that's cute. Oh, you just need the sports bros. Sound, oh, sound, like, sound, sound like he need a nap. That's what he needs. <laughs> he needs some milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, anyways, um, I am the HOC Fitness thing. Eddie Cool, the head of creative. You can reach me on Facebook. I'm always on the Sports Bros podcast like page, posting all kind of funny stuff and everything. Also, you can reach me on Snapchat, Super Cool Five Thousand. Also on Instagram or the Gram, as the kids call it. At almost got my name for a second. Um, cool season, all one word. Facebook, Eddie Cool, not my real government name, but you'll put two and two together. And um, also on Twitter, the Sports Bros Pcast. All right, that is episode one in the books of the Wrestle Bros Podcast. This your boy, Eddie Cool, the HOC, and for the almighty B-Live and the money man, Scotty D, keep on fighting. See you next time on the Wrestle Bros Podcast.